Back in 2007, we think it was, I got a telephone call from a young man, and he said, I like your daughter. Do you remember my response? I like her too. <laughs> and so he asked my permission if he could start uh, uh, to have a relationship, a friendship with my daughter. And I said yes, and I was very impressed because I never called my father-in-law and asked him. I did get a great response when I pulled out the engagement ring. His response was, it was about time. So I knew I was okay there. But I was very impressed with this young man that he would do that. I had already done some background work on him and found out different things about him. But, uh, and all good. But to have him as a son-in-law has been a blessing. And to have, he treats my daughter the way I want my daughter treated. And that's any, all any man could ever ask for. And so he's been a pastor for 10 years, wisdom, gifting. We had a great time this morning. Open your hearts. Let's welcome Pastor Desmond Burkhardt. Actually, there's a, another part to that story, right? <laughs> so what happened is that I had asked my pastor for advice. And my pastor said, oh, that's easy. Just call Pastor Sullivan. Tell him that you like your, his daughter, and then uh, I'll hear from you again. So I was like, oh, no. Now I really need to give him a call. <laughs> hey, we're very thankful. Also, really appreciate that you came Sunday night. Amen. I believe that going to church is never in vain. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, you can uh, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll read in verse 10. And I kind of want to uh, move on with with, uh, what we started with this morning. So this morning we looked at that we are a work of God. And uh, and tonight I want to look at what we were created for, right? We were created for something. God didn't just make something. He, He created something. So, uh, when I met my wife, I uh, followed this study. Study is called Industrial Product Design. And uh, it's all about designing a product. And a part of the study was, besides developing and designing a product, is that you also had to develop a manual. And the reason why you develop a manual with a product is so that you explain to the user what the product is designed for. And, and part of that manual is also explaining what it's explicitly not designed for, right? And uh, you have to understand that we people, we are very stubborn. We are stubborn creatures, right? People do the most craziest things. There are people, they, they put their pet in the shower because the pet is dirty. And then to dry your pet, you know, it takes a lot of time, especially when the pet has a lot of hair. You take a bunch of towels, then it's still not dry, and then you have to use a hair blower. It's still not dry. And some people, they look at their pet, it's so wet, and they look at the counter, and they see a microwave, and they say, you know, I wonder what would happen if I put a pet in the microwave. Very ugly business, I'll tell you that. And so one of the teachers that we had, he explained to us, that they designed a, a carrier for humans in hospitals so that they can carry uh, humans off the bed and put them into something else. And they had at a solid point that a company called them and said, like, man, you're, the thing that you designed is just it's crap. 
And so they're like, okay, give us a picture. How did you use it and, and how did it break? And so they sent them a picture and they were, they were carrying a rock as, as big as this pulpit with that carrier and they moved it in a construction site to move rocks from one place to another. And they were like, come on guys. This is not what it was created for. <laughs> and this is the reality in life is that in life, we can use certain things in a certain way, but you have to always understand it was designed for something. Well, the scripture we are about to read is a scripture, and I can tell you, if, if you read it, you can read it as if it could come out of a manual. It says something what it, what it was created for. Let's read together. We'll read Ephesians 2, verse 10. Our scripture says the following. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So remember, masterpiece created by God himself, but created to do something specific. Amen? Now let's look firstly at God's worksmanship. Because we always have to remember that, that we are a work of God. Our scripture specifically says we are a masterpiece. It's not something that you have to take lightly. as a something that God took time for creating, right? Another scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And it's, I, li- I like the words that are used in Scripture. And you have to imagine that when God inspired someone to, to speak or to write down these verses, he, he inspired them with a reason, right? Scripture is very clear. It says you are a creation. Not the creation of man, but the creation from God himself. Bible also says in John 3, Verse 6 and verse 7, it says, Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, You must be born again. So, scripture is very clear is that what you need is you need the Creator of heaven and earth to create something wonderful in your life. Also, the Old Testament speaks about the heart of stone that he takes out of you and he gives you a heart of flesh, meaning old sinful passions he removes and God makes something new. He adds new qualities. He gives us a new understanding. He gives us new desires, new affections, and a new way of thinking. Now, I don't know how it's with you, but when I got saved, I'm a church kid. If you would have asked me, do you like to go to church, my answer would have been no. <laughs> I can tell you from personal experience, getting born again was, was the thing that saved me. <laughs> God gave me a new heart, new desire. He gave me a desire to go to church. And that was a work from God. That's not the only thing that God does. God starts working in our lives and he starts enriching us with, with things in our character. Galatians 5, verse 22 and verse 23 says this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And there's a reason why the Bible calls this fruits. And the reason why it's a fruit is because it's not a work of man. It's a work of God. It's God's work in your life, and he's shaping your character, he's forming your life. But when God does something, and when God creates something, he has a very specific reason for that. I used to be involved in construction. I'm still slightly involved. <laughs> but the, one of the things that I was especially involved in is in transformations, meaning that you have an old building, you renovate it, you strip it completely, and then you give the building a new purpose. And because it has a new purpose, the, the, the whole building gets radically transformed. One of the projects that we did, it used to be an old bank, bank with lots of offices, and they... they made it completely empty, and they transformed it into a hotel. And that's, that specifically means that what it used to be used for, it wasn't used for anymore. It's not a bank where you can get money. Now it's a hotel. When you go in there, you can book a room, you can sleep there, but you can't do any money business there anymore. And it's the same in the spiritual. When God creates something in your life, he transforms you, and what your life used to be meant for is now changed. It's now created with a new direction, with a new usefulness. Maybe in your old life, you went into a direction of getting rich. Or you went into the direction in which you said, you know, I want to become famous, a soccer player, or NFL player, basketball player, whatever it is, right? Or you say, hey, my... my direction of life went into knowledge. I've met people and they've had three master diplomas. Like how many more masters do you want? <laughs> but now you have to understand God creates something new in your life and he says I created you for kingdom purposes. So you have to understand that your life all of the sudden changes a course into a new direction. The Bible says this. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, verse 21. The Bible says the following. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. This is what the Bible says, right? You were created for something and God the master, he wants to use you. Use you for what? For good works. And this is what you have to understand. When you look at your own personal life, when you look at lives of other people, people will get saved. You have to understand, wow, God created me, something new in me, to do something specific. And then the Bible says, he created you specifically to do good works. Now, I don't know how it is with you when you read your Bible. But when I read scripture and it says good works, I put a question mark there. I'm like, what is a good work? Do you have the same? <laughs> it's very easy to say what's not a good work, right? <laughs> or maybe that's easy to look at first. What's not a good work? Because if you look at what's not a good work, the Bible is also very clear in that area, right? 
don't sin. That's a bad thing. God gave us the Ten Commandments. You can read it in Exodus 20. Don't lie, you know, don't steal, don't be jealous, don't curse. We know everything what is wrong, right? And then there are some gray areas in which you could say like, okay, I don't know, is this good, is this bad? You know, one of the thing, things what, what the Bible is also quite clear about is, you know, you shouldn't be involved in destructive behavior. We can also understand that that's not good. This is one of the reasons why I don't gamble. The reason why I don't gamble is that I don't want to get in debt. I don't want to have a destructive behavior in my life. I don't like debt. I don't want to be involved in debt. But then there's also areas such as drugs, right? Bible's maybe not clear on, on, on smoking. And there's stuff people use in, in the Netherlands I don't even want to know about. A hype that's going on lately is, is using balloons or something. <laughs> I don't want to know what they do with balloons. We use them for parties for kids, right? <laughs> I heard this other story. And it said that it used to be a hype. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's from the States. And the people, they would eat Thai pots. Have you heard about that? It's just crazy things. And you think about, man, come on. If you are hungry, eat something that's right. Amen? And so we know there's a lot of things that, that can be destructive. There are people at my work. And they boast about how drunk they were. And then they went to a party somewhere in Amsterdam. They went with the car, and they were so drunk that they don't remember where they parked the car. And they have to look for a whole week to find where the car is. And then they laugh about it. It's like, ha, 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 I was so drunk, and I couldn't find my car. That's just so pathetic. A good way to make sure that you don't get drunk is just not to drink alcohol. It has worked really well for me. Always sober. <laughs> and another thing, which may be a gray area is what you could call a distracting activity. One of the things that I, uh, that I did, I'm not very proud of it, but I can <laughs> explain it to you. When I was doing my final exams of, uh, of uh, high school, in, in my pupil wisdom, I bought new games, <laughs> new computer games, and I can testify that, that gaming and studying doesn't go well together. And it's the same in God's kingdom, right? Certain things simply don't go well together. It's too distracting. But then we still have the question open, right? We know what's wrong. We know what's distracting. We know what's destructive. Then the question is still, what's, what's good work? What does the Bible say? What is a good work? I'll be honest with you. I have Googled good works. Do you want to know what, what Google says? One of the comments that Google gave is that a good work is when you unplug an electrical device to save energy, then you've done good works. How do you think? I don't think that the Bible meant that, right? <laughs> One lady, she also gave a comment. She says, I think a good work is when my husband vacuums the house. Another mother says, good work is when children flush the toilet. <laughs> and some man says, good work is when you grill meat on the barbecue. <laughs> hey, when we look at, at a human translation or interpretation of good works, we will always go the wrong direction. This is where it's good to go back to what the Bible says or what the biblical definition is of good works. I believe good works are built around the following scripture. Matthew 22, 
verse 35 to verse 40. The Bible says the following. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So if you think, if you think about good works from these two laws, love God and love your neighbor, then good works become very easy. If you say, okay, hey, what works can I do to express my love to God? That's quite easy, right? So one important thing about loving someone is that you maintain the relationship with that person. Meaning, read your Bible. Hey, good work when you read your Bible. You take time to pray. Again, good work. You take time to to be in the presence of God, so you go to church where God is present. I mean, <laughs> you take time to worship God. You sing songs to, to worship Him. Again, good work. And then if you look at that, that second law, love other people, then it doesn't take a lot of effort to, to make a choice to be a blessing to other people, in which you say, hey, I'm going to take time to express love to other people. Someone once asked a person, And he asked him, what's the greatest thing you've ever experienced? And he said, the greatest thing I have experienced is my salvation, getting saved. And so he asked him another question. What is the greatest thing someone else can experience? And he said that they also can experience salvation. One of my new comforts for my church, she asked the question, So are we as a church involved in charity work, giving food to the poor, um, charity activities, packing things? And uh, and I told her, is is that those works on its own, yes, those are good works. But there's something missing. There's an element missing. And the element that is missing is the element of salvation. So, see, we can be involved in some good charity work, and I'm not going to say that it's not a good work. But we can miss an important element. We can miss the salvation of someone's soul. So what you'll notice, also in Scripture, there's, there's multiple elements involved, right? It's someone needs to get saved, and then that person will have practical issues, and then we will help them with those practical issues. When someone gets saved and says after service, man, I didn't eat today, then it's logic that we help them to get some food, right? But still, what it's all about is to say, hey, salvation of someone's soul. The interesting thing, when you think about this, this, the greatest laws, there's another uh, Bible scripture in which this law is also explained, and that's in Luke 10. And in Luke 10, the same uh, uh, law is explained. But then after Jesus explains this law, you get the story of the Good Samaritan. It's very interesting if you think that, okay, hey, Jesus intentionally, he places the story of the Good Samaritan after explaining this law. And the reason why he explains this story is because he got that question, hey, who's my neighbor? And then at the end of the story, Jesus asked this man, 
okay, who was the one who helped the guy who was broken down laying on the road? And he said that it was the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and you do the same. You do the same. You do the good works that you were intended to make for. See, what we know about God, God has a heart for a broken world. Did you know that there are people in the city, and maybe you don't believe it, but there are people in the city that never heard about Jesus? Well, maybe they heard the name Jesus, but only in curse words, right? <laughs> and there are people in other cities, they've never heard about Jesus. And I'll tell you something even more wilder. There are people in other countries, they have never heard about Jesus. There are generations that grow up, and the multiple generations, they have no one praying for their salvation. They have no one that's reaching out to them. And they live in brokenness. And God says, my heart goes out to these people. You know what's interesting? When Jesus started his ministry, he began by reading the following scripture. Luke 4, verse 18 and verse 19. Luke 4, verse 18 and verse 19. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's very interesting. Jesus is very specific. He's like, this is the reason why I came to help the people that are captive. And I came to bring liberty. And if you look at your own personal life from that perspective, it's like, hey, God created me to do good works. You know there are people in your area, they are broken. I don't know Rochester as well. I don't know the neighbor, neighboring cities as well. I do know things about my own city, right? And when my son, when he was in the hospital, he, he was in a hospital uh, in the city 15 minutes from, from, from my city. And my wife, she went to get some medicines for him. And there were some teenage girls, they were also standing in line, and one of those teenage girls was raped. Can you imagine that? Maybe 14, 15 years old. And then in our own city, we have people in our church, troubled youth, maybe 14, 15 years old, already involved in stabbing someone, and not just like a a, a bread knife with a serious knife, (laughs) like this long, right? They are already involved in stabbing other people, 14, 15 years old, robbing stores. And we have, we have lots of teenagers like that just anywhere where you go. I have uh, in, the, in the playground behind our house lots of kids from my children's age. And I think there's only one kid, maybe the 12 kids that I spoke to, and that says, okay, hey, my parents are still together. And what you see, if you just reach out to other people, you notice there's a lot of people that are broken, that need an answer, and God's answer for their lives is you. He created you to do something about the need in your own personal area. There are people that got saved in our street because they are our neighbors. And we witnessed to them. And we saw their problems, and they got saved, they came to church, and other neighbors were like, oh, they're coming to your church now, huh? If that neighbor changes, maybe I will come too one day. <laughs> hey, let's look at closing, at entering your destiny. If we read our main scripture again, our scripture says the following. We are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Another translation talks about walking in the plan that God has for our lives. See, what you have to understand, when the Bible says this, it talks about a lifestyle. Good works is not something that you do once in your whole life. Good works is a lifestyle. And the question you have to ask yourself, how does my daily or weekly or yearly rhythm of my life look like? You have to find out in your own personal life, how can I make good works part of the rhythm of my life? And what works for me, depending on your age, on your circumstances, how many children you have, of course, but that you find something in your own rhythm in which you say, hey, this will work for me. I will have time for good works in this part of my life. See, I believe that it's very good to make time for morning prayer, to make time for Bible reading. But I'm also sober-minded enough to understand that when you have two, three children and they all beg your attention, that you say, okay, hey, especially as a mother, they say, it doesn't work for me. But I can pray and read my Bible from home. Right? And what you notice is that it's a rhythm for a reason. One of the things that I like is when school starts again. My children, they go to school, and the reason why I love it is because it, it gives them a rhythm. They have to wake up at a certain time, they have to eat at a certain time, they have to drink at a certain time, they come home at a certain time, and they go to bed at a certain time. A rhythm, it's a pattern. Each day the same. <laughs> except for in the weekend, but it's the same rhythm. And I always get the joy of the first week of waking them up. It's like father's revenge for crying as a little baby in the night. <laughs> so, but it, it's a rhythm. And so this is also the reason as an adult that it's good to go to work. You know why it's nice to go to work? It forces you into a rhythm. Your boss doesn't like it when you come too late at work. He wants you to be there on time. And you work in a rhythm. You have a break at a certain time. It's a rhythm. And this is the reason why, for example, the army is a good place for some people. Because it's a rhythm-making machine. It forces you to follow a certain rhythm. And maybe you have noticed it, but our churches also have a rhythm. There's a rhythm in everything that we do. And what you will notice is that to get used to this rhythm... You have to train and discipline yourself to get used to a certain rhythm. It's never fun to get unsettled in a certain rhythm that you've built up in your life. But if you think about it, think about, for example, Daniel. The Bible says about Daniel, he prayed three times per day. The reason why he prayed three times per day was not because he had nothing to do. He was a leader. He was a leader of a nation responsible for quite something. When he says, okay, hey, I'm going to dedicate my life to pray three times per day, it's not because he didn't have anything else to do. It's enough responsibilities that he had to do. But he made this habit because he says, if I don't do it, I'll probably fall over, right? And so, what you see in scripture, when it talks about good works, you have to, to, to find out in your own personal life what works best for me, and how can I make that a rhythm in my own personal life? If you look, for example, at, at reading your Bible, I'm someone I can read very easily. Reading 
It was very easy for me. But I have friends. Some friends, they are dyslexic. If I tell them, oh man, read five chapters a day, they say like, I just can't. But they say, you know what works good for me? I can listen very well. And they listen to the Bible, and it works for them. And this is something that you can do as well, that you find in your own personal life a rhythm that works for you. What's fascinating, to close with that, is that when we dedicate our lives to the good works, it's something that brings you into the destiny that God has for your life. Our scripture is very clear. It says, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God already planned your life. God already knows what he wants to do in your life and through your life. Sometimes some people ask me, you know, how, how do you know that you were called? And how do you know, uh, you know which course your life went? To be honest with you, I didn't know. Only thing I know is that there was a need, and we were capable, and we were ready, and we were willing, and we stepped into it. And it was with anything that was in our church. We did children's church. We did youth ministry. Uh, whatever the need was. And we were willing to help. And this is how we stepped into, our, into where we are now. We, we, we are now in permanent. It's not like I chose on the map. Oh, I'm planning in so many years to go into the city of permanent. But what happened? The pastor got sick. They needed someone to replace the pastor. And we were there in the church. I think we were there just for a year. And my pastor came to me. I have a need. Can you go there? And we were willing and we were ready to go there. And this is how we ended up in permanent. I didn't choose it. But what you'll notice is that God guides you through life, in true circumstances of life, in exactly the right spot where he wants you to be. And if you if you look at your life from that way, then you'll notice that certain things are easier to let go of. For example, when you look at evangelism, the way I used to evangelize is I worked hard. Working hard, hard, hard. Evangelized and talked to a lot of people. Passing out a lot of flyers. Until I realized, hey, God has people waiting for me. There are people out there that are waiting for someone to preach the gospel to. And when I realized that, we had all kinds of supernatural meetings. Uh, I talked to a man just outside after work just talked to the first man I talked to uh, that I met uh, outside of a local supermarket and uh, what happened to be he was a drug addict just out of, out of a clinic and I was the first person talking to him I got saved other people I talked to uh, one man I talked to and he said you know I have a, uh, I have a tumor in my brain uh, I don't have long to live he didn't get saved, but still, if you think about it from that perspective, you know, in, in a week you have so much responsibility, so many things to do. But if you look at that from a different perspective, God is able to link up meetings on the times that you decide to evangelize, and that makes it so much easier. You know, the Bible says that Jesus told Peter, hey, you catch out your... your, your uh, catch a fish and in the mouth of a fish you will find a silver coin see if Peter didn't believe that he wouldn't have gone to catch a fish but he went out he catched the first fish and in the, in the, in the beak uh, or in the mouth of the fish was a silver coin and it's the same with evangelism if you believe that God prepares everything and that he's able to do that 
you'll notice that you'll stop, step into a different dimension because God is at work. And it's the same way if it's about calling, if it's about destiny, if you believe that God has a good plan with your life, that he has prepared everything already for you, it will be so much easier. And the reason why is because it's God calling you. It's not a work of man anymore. And then you, will, then you will feel and then you will experience that God will be equipping you to do the works that he has called you to do for. And so if we go closing with this thought that God has prepared you, God has created you for something very specific, good works, planned already for a long time ago, and this is something thrilling. Just like I mentioned this morning, from the moment that I got saved, it feels like I stepped into a roller coaster, and it's been fantastic. It's been amazing. Uh, not that we haven't had problems. We've had a lot of problems and challenges <laughs> as a bit. Just to know that God was on our side. God has prepared things, and I firmly believe that you can experience the same. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray this evening. Amen? So Father, I want to ask you to move with your Holy Spirit. Touch every heart. Bring a conviction that is yours, especially those that are not standing right in front of your tongue. As the Bible says that, that no man is righteous. We all have our faults. We all have our shortcomings. We all have sinned. And this is the reason why we need salvation. The reason why is because we have a sinful nature. And this is the reason why God wants to do something new. This is the reason why Jesus said, don't be surprised when I say that you need to be born again. We need to be born again. We need the work of God in our lives. And maybe you're here this evening. And you're one of those persons. You're realizing, hey, I'm not standing right in front of God. I am involved in sin. I need salvation. I need to become born again. If that's you, you don't have to be ashamed. But if that's you, please raise up your hand. We can pray a prayer with you. I'd like to give you that invitation. Or maybe you're here. And you've backslidden into sin again. You know you're involved in things that are not right. I would like to give you that invitation that's you to come forward to pray just one more time giving that invitation if you're here this evening and you want to make it right with God please raise your hand amen I'm going to change the altar call for Christians see sometimes we have to look different at our life and the Bible is very clear it says, God created something new in you. You're God's masterpiece. He's proud of you. He's proud of what he's created in you. But God is also very intentional. It was not an accident. He was very intentional to make something amazing of your life. He created you with your talents, with your possibilities. And he prepared good works for you, for your personal life. And those good works are very easy to understand. Love God, love your neighbor like yourself. And if you believe that God prepared everything for your personal life, it makes it so much easier that you don't have to be too hard on yourself, but that you can learn to trust in God and that God prepared things for your personal life. God is preparing people. God is preparing works for you to be involved in. And I want to challenge you if the Holy Spirit touched your heart or maybe he, 
the Holy Spirit inspired you in certain areas to stretch out into. I want to challenge you to find a place here at the altar. I want to open the altar. Take a moment of time to, to pray with God. Amen. Oh, he is Lord. And he is Lord. And he has risen from the dead. And he And every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, for He is Lord. Yeah.